which, just so you know, uh, Jay, I guess, has to dress up as a farmer. And so he has to, you know, when he was lighting the candle, we asked him not to wear that outfit. Uh, so you're welcome. Uh, but we're going to be in Matthew 6 today, um, really diving into 5 uh, through 13. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, how Jesus uh, explains so much here. Uh, even in my D group yesterday, uh, talking, we talked about uh, how we could just read the Beatitudes daily would uh, continually affect us and how just reading the scripture. And one exciting thing is, is uh, as we continue to uh, read along, uh, if you've read with us this entire year, uh, we are uh, 20 chapters away from reading the whole New Testament in 2023 and being able to dive through that. So we're really excited about that. And we'll, uh, during our uh, meeting this afternoon, we will be talking about what 2024 looks like. And so excited for that. But in Matthew 6, they uh, we're talking about a few things here. He first talks about uh, giving, if you look at it over the whole chapter. Then it goes into prayer and fasting. And then it deals with possessions, and then it deals with worry. In one chapter, it deals with a lot of things that, for some reason, we all deal with. That of our giving, that of prayer, and that of our possessions, and that of worry. We're going to be dealing with prayer today. And, uh, dealing with, like what I said, verse 5 through 13. But we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to start in verse 1, and then we'll jump to verse 5. He says this, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. Skipping to verse five. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when we, they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, as we dive into today's scripture, uh, may your name be glorified. May we praise your name. And right now, many of our hearts, if we need to repent, may we repent right now and come being willing to listen, being willing to, to ask questions and to wrestle with you. Because some of us are being like, oh, my prayer life's not where it needs to be. Or I don't know how to get there. May, may you guide us today. And that we ask that you to lead us. And may wherever you take us, may we yield to your will. Move us today and move and break 
our hearts. We love and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, many of us as believers, we want the kingdom of God to come down on earth to this fallen world. We want there to be the kingdom come. And as you can clearly read, and if you've read Matthew, the, uh, a major theme that is going over our, the kingdom come. The kingdom is coming down, and Jesus wants to do that. But when we see injustice in the world, we know that we need a just king. When we see corrupt leaders and corrupt men and women around the world, we need a perfect ruler. And as believers, we need and know that it is the Lord of lords, the one who made everything. In prayer, what we will be talking about today is that of being in communion with the one that does truth and is truth. And being in communion with the one that is love and is true love in a world that is so lost that it actually thinks it's smart. And what I mean that, have you ever been in a classroom with someone that knows the answer to everything? Or a coworker that just knows everything, even more than the teacher that has studied so much longer? You've ever, you've ever been in that room? That was me. No. <laughs> I thought I knew everything or had an opinion on everything. But there are reasons why that person is delusional. Let's call it for what it is. The, the problem sometimes with, with believers is the problem that we have substituted truth for being nice. And I'm not saying that we aren't supposed to be nice. We are supposed to, but we're not supposed to do that in the substitution of truth. And sometimes people are delusional. Prayer can help fix that delusion. Because many of us start looking at other people as being delusional, but we don't see it in ourselves. We don't see or look at our own hearts. That person is crazy. That person is insane. That person doesn't know what we're talking about. And then all of a sudden you've looked at it and it was like you're looking in a mirror. You've seen yourself three different times. Because all of a sudden our flesh wants to take over. And prayer is deleting that delusion and putting it focus on the right thing. And being lined up with Christ. So Jesus, specifically in the Sermon on the Mount and in many other places, talks about this kingdom coming down. And just so you know that Jesus even says the kingdom is here. And how can we bring the kingdom here? How can we truly bring the kingdom here if we don't know the king? Or we don't know his path? So today, we're going to be talking about prayer. And some of you today might feel like, oh, I don't know how to do this, or I don't do it long enough, or I don't do this. Well, let's see what Jesus says about prayer. Let's, let's go to the words. And what I find great is Jesus just doesn't teach us how to pray. He also teaches us, and this is very helpful to me, of not, how not to pray. And so, point number one is, how not to pray. Gary Miller, who's done a lot of studying on um, prayer, uh, going through churches and, 
uh, says this, and he would argue that the evangelical church is slowly but surely giving up on prayer. Now, we have to ask, is this true? And he would say, and he continues, and he, sa he says this, that life might be too easy for evangelicals. He says, some of us lack the desperation that most Christians have experienced throughout church history. Desperation leads to prayer. We are also incredibly distracted and busy states of mind that are enemies of the prayer of prayer. But giving up on prayer is not only a sign of evangelical weakness, it is a sign of disobedience. Jesus is going to teach us how to pray, but he also gives us insight on how not to pray. In Matthew 6, verse 5, it says, and when you pray, I'm just going to stop right there. That is a very key. This is not saying if you pray or if you decide to pray or maybe pray. This No, when you pray. This is a, a statement that is dictating the necessity of prayer. There is a necessity of prayer. There's at some point a necessity to drink water. There's a necessity at some point to eat food. Now, you could go long times without it, but your body will break down. Your body will become weak. It's when you pray. Jesus is saying it is a necessity for communion with the Father. And, and this should make sense to us as we continue to look at, look at this. Let's continue with verse 5. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. First of all, this is not saying that there, we should not have corporate prayer or times of prayer together. But you have to remember the context of what's going on here and who Jesus is talking about. you got to remember Matthew uh, 6, verse 1, what we read earlier, says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And really clearly there, he, he doesn't want you to be like a hypocrite. And he's, he's talking about the Pharisees here. And what they are doing and what they are participating in front of others so that they can be rewarded and looked upon as better and in front of others. Jesus is clearly stating that they will have no reward from the Father in heaven. So Jesus says that, don't do this. But then he gives an example of what to do. Because in verse 6, he says, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So, I was a junior in high school. We go to this camp uh, up, and we had uh, the youth group. There was probably around that time 60 to 80 kids, and we do this weekend trip uh, up at this camp. And it's a weekend trip about, you know, uh, you get to be with your friends, but you're also learning biblical truth. And so one of the, the processes that we went through is like a, a training exercise. So there is a tree here and a tree here. And then there's this rope about head high. And then there's like a spider web. Okay. And so the goal is, so there's about 60 to 80 kids on this side. On this side, and they, the goal is to get people over to the other side. 
but you can't touch the rope, you can't touch, touch the web. You guys got to figure it out. So you would think that between 60 and 80 people, we could figure this out. And so we're coming up with different ideas and we're doing all this process. And so, you know, at that age, when you're a junior, uh, you know, you're a male, you want to impress the ladies. So I'm like, I'll go first. I'll, t I'll come up with this crazy idea. We're going to have a bunch of people. So I'm going to lay down backwards. They're going to pick me up and they're going to throw me over. So, of course, I get some of the bigger guys. They pick me up, and they get me up here, and we're lifting, and we're like, all right, here we go. We're going to get you over. We can lift you up, and then we're going to throw you. You're just going to have to catch yourself. And I was like, I got this. I got this. As we're going, the guys in the back decided to start pushing a little bit early. So as we're going, uh, my foot catches the top rope. So right now, just imagine the, the visual of my face and my shoulder going directly into the ground. Because once they throw you up, they're, they're, they can't pull you back. And so then the rest of the weekend, my shoulder's like this. Because I wanted it to be about me. I wanted to impress people. I want to say, look at what I did. Look at me up here. Hey, ladies, woo, I'm a catch. <laughs> Pride cometh before the fall. But, but that's what they're, they're doing. It's, it's about me. It's not about accomplishing the goal. It's not about doing what was necessary. I thought, oh, if I did this, I do this. And so many of us, and when we pray, some of us want to glorify ourselves. Jesus says, that's not how you pray. You go into your room where no one else is except for me and you. That's a different avenue than many people in the world today. Many of us want to post our photos. Many of us want to post what we're doing. And already back then, Jesus is telling us that's not the way it's to be done. And the dangerous thing, like we talked about earlier, is that many of us can start thinking of other people and other situations uh, of different people and how they pray and, and, and what they do. But we need to look at our own hearts. Does it glorify yourself or is it glorifying the one that we seek? And in this, your prayer life and how you pray will reveal your true theology. There's an old Latin saying that says, as we pray, so we believe. Let's look at another example of how not to pray. Verse 7, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Have you ever been uh, somewhere and you just zoned out on a drive? So a couple weeks ago, we were having tacos. Now, you don't think that's a big deal, but when you have kids that don't like a bunch of meal and the taco uh, meal opens up, that's another meal we can have. It's just not chicken nuggets and hot dogs anymore. So we're opening more. So we were like, hey, we got a different kind of meal. We got all the stuff. My wife was out, and I was like, hey, can you pick up some ground beef on the way home? Yes, I could do that. 
So get everything ready. Kids are playing. Uh, she walks in the door, opens up the door, and looks at me, and I was like, hey, where's the ground beef? And she goes, I don't know how I got here. She goes, I just zoned out the whole time. Like, I'm like, first of all, that's scary. Second of all, like, have you ever, like, because you just go through the motions. You've just sort of gone through it. You're just doing it because you've done it so many times before. You're, like, babbling. You're just going on because that's what is supposed to happen or supposed to, uh, to be looked at that way. And that's not what we're called to do. Sometimes we can treat our prayer life like this, where we know the ritual and we know what to say. We said it so many times, and all we're doing is repeating a mantra. We have repeated a slogan, but our hearts and mind are not in lockstep with what is said. Jesus is telling us right now that we are not just supposed to keep babbling. And especially during this culture, in this Jewish culture time, the, the, the pagans were the ones that would keep on calling and pr praying down, but nothing would happen because they were praying to a false god. Their words would not be heard. If we look back at the Old Testament, we look at Daniel, we look back at David, we, we see the, the genuine uh, prayers of them. There wasn't babbling. When they were in pain, they were letting you know. They were calling out to God the Father. When there was joy, they were dancing and glorifying God through their praise. They just didn't repeat something because they were checking it off. No, they were in a relationship with God because they were communing with God. Have you know your significant other? Do things get better when there's more communication? Yes! Or if you have friends and family, it's just better. I, it is as simple as setting up a time to meet someone out to eat. If, if you're saying, hey, we're going to meet at 1 p.m. or 1 a.m., that's a big difference. Communication matters. Jesus is just giving us this beautiful, godly wisdom right now about how not to pray and how to pray. And like always, then he tells us in verse 9, he does the Lord's Prayer. He, he says this, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, how be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And I'm just warning you too, that could become just words said. That could be dangerous because now it's just a mantra. It's just like, hey, I've said it. I've checked it off. We moved on. Point number two is God wants the heart. God doesn't want empty words. God wants your time. He doesn't want a false mantra. He doesn't want you to be zoned out. The Lord's prayer is to help function our theology and arrange it in a way that lines up with God. I, I will tell you that um, there was a prayer uh, just over a month ago that uh, revealed a lot about someone's theology. Most of you know Doug Cox, and most of you know that he's going through some health concerns. 
And I want you to know in these times, I do not believe it is wrong to go to the Father and ask for healing. I think we are supposed to go to the Father. We are supposed to go to the, the Holy One. We are supposed to, we can ask for help. And we are open to go to the Father as sons and daughters of God. But what Doug prayed for was first not healing, but was that God's name would be glorified. That revealed a level of understanding of Doug and God's relationship. To Doug, God is holy over everything, even his health. Because now we've revealed where it is. That's his prayer life. And some of you right now are being like, I could never be that way. Or I can never get to that kind of prayer life. And I say that is false and a lie. You have to remember in Luke 11.1, 1, it says this. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. You have to remember that these are, these are men that are still asking. So whatever age you're at, it doesn't have to do about age. They're asking, like, teach us to pray. And that's where our heart needs to be. How do we pray? How do, how do we continue to, to line up to with what you want? And what I mean, and I, I do want to hit this, and what I mean by theology is knowing God's heart and God knowing yours. You can't know God's heart if you're never with him. I'm just going to say, men, have you ever got a look from uh, your significant other and known what she's meant from across the room? Not a word said. And you're like, this is not going well. It's like, I'm going to have to go outside and mow longer today. But you know, because you know your wife. And there are times when you know God, it's so interesting. Like God puts it on your heart and you're, because you're walking with them, you're lined up. And I believe that prayer is one of the truest forms where your relationship is with Christ. God has continued to remind us that we are to pursue him by being humble. And that his name is to be exalted over ours. And we cannot put ourselves in front of the Father. It is about us lining up with God's will. And it's about being authentic. Authentic prayers are never about impressing anyone. It's about going and seeking the Father humbly and with a heart that is bent towards him. And when that happens, we have true freedom because it's not about us anymore. It brings the kingdom down to earth because it's his will being done and it's his path that is being walked and it's his grace that covers our failures that's why jesus gives us an example of how to pray with the lord's prayer and i'm going to give you a quick acronym now i know talking sunday school different people have different different little things to trigger uh to to pray i i use this simple one it's p-r-a-y p-r-a-y and you'll see it along with it. and the first one is praise Verse 9 says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is an authentic practice of going to the Father and praising his name. 
We see this over and over again in Jesus' life that he went to the Father in the morning and the night. And many of us, as we say we want to live like Jesus, this is a simple thing we can follow. Go to the Father morning and night. Be with him. And his name is hallowed. And he knew the Father is king. We are to praise his name in all aspects of our life. And many of us, we skip straight to the ask. But we need to glorify his name. R stands for repent. Verse 12 says, and forgive our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. We need to be right with God. We need to know we're right with God. And I also want some of you to know, some of you have continued to repent for a sin that's already been forgiven. If you really believe Jesus is who he says he is, he actually died on the cross and you've repented, he has covered those sins. <coughs> this is, goes back into the mantra, if I just say it enough, if I just do it enough. No, either Jesus is who he says he is or he's not. So did he forgive the sin or didn't he? So if you truly have asked and you truly have bent the knee and said, God, I am sorry for this. I had sex out of wedlock. God, I am sorry for it. There might be consequences, but God, if he's, you and him are together, it's done. He, he died on the cross for that sin. He died on the cross for when you lied. And some of us keep on pulling back and saying, it's like, yeah, keep holding on to that. Stop that. If you truly repent, we have the God that's truly forgiven you. What a joy. What an awesome. That is freeing. It's no longer about your actions. Praise God. Because I will tell you, I am so happy that happens because I can't do it on myself. There are many things in my past I was like, I don't want anyone to know. So, yeah. I'm not going any further. No, I'm a is ask. Verse 11 says, give us today our daily bread. And 13 says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Talk with your father. Go to your father, the holy God. Know that he is holy. Because in the next chapter, it talks about when you go to the Father, if you ask for bread, why would he give you a stone? That's an earthly father wouldn't do that. Or if you ask for a fish, would he give you a snake? No, no. God, God loves you. God, God wouldn't have sent his son if he didn't want a relationship with you. So have the relationship. I was walking through and I heard down, even downstairs being like, what's Israel stand for? It's wrestle with God. We're allowed to commune with God. God wants that relationship. But I will tell you, my favorite one and a big transform transformation for me was why? And that's yield. Because at the end of the day, we need to yield to what God wants. Verse 10 says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are to be obedient, to yield to the heart of God. And the only way that we can be obedient to the heart of God is to know God's heart and for God to change our hearts. And that is to be genuine in our prayer life and in our communication life. 
Prayer is not making a wish list and making God a genie. Prayer is for us to line up our hearts up with God's heart. And this sermon and this talk today is not about a checklist in your prayer life, but it's a reflection of the way Christ lived his life in prayer and how he challenged us not to pray and how to pray then and today. I'm sorry to say that many American Christians are saying they don't need the church today. They don't need to read the Bible and they don't need to pray. I would say that many Christians have lowered the words of Jesus so much because they want more people on their team. And I don't want people to believe that if you pray for a long time, they're a better Christian. Or if you pray in front of people, they're a better Christian. Those are lies. Prayer is the primary way that we are to communicate with the living Holy Father that created us at the beginning of time. The Father that still gives us breath right now. I watched last night. I'm a Florida State fan. I know it. I'm not getting really into sports, but the quarterback broke his leg two weeks ago, and they were asking him on the college show before the game, they were like, you know, how are you doing with all that? And he goes, the good Lord woke me up this morning, so I am blessed. I was like, let's go. What a perspective. Because everyone else is like, oh, shame on, like, how too bad for you. He's like, the Lord woke me up today. I have breath in my lungs. Praise God's name. I'm going to play a longer video for you guys. Um, it's just uh, four minutes, but it's about... Uh, a guy named Eddie Panini, and he is a military guy. He's a war guy, and it sort of dictates, and I don't want to give too much away, but you'll sort of get uh, his past. And I find it really interesting, though, about his perspective on what he wants for prayer and what prayer did in his life. So let's watch this video, and then I will get up and we'll out close. And taken out, and then guys be like, man, I pray for you. And I, like, I didn't tell anybody this, but in my head I was like, I really want someone to put their hands on me and pray for me. Like, I want someone to pray for me. I don't... This weekend changed my life. Um, I don't know why I wanted someone to pray for me. All that crap. Never thought I could be forgiven, you know, forgive of your sins. I'm like, man, I've killed more people. I've done things that most people don't even dream of, think of, can't even concoct in their brain. I've done it. Uh, from booze to women to pills to killing. Gun, knives, grenades, explosives. Nothing. A anything and everything. All of it. I'm like, there's no way. There's no way you can forgive me. And um, I wanted someone to pray for me. And the last night of this thing, nothing's happening to me, really. I mean, a little bit of something, but nothing monumental. At the end of the, um, at the end of the, um, at the, they have the bonfire, and like they give you this like little post-it note, like, hey, the things that you want to get rid of, write down what you want to get rid of. And I was like, this post-it ain't gonna do it. I need like a legal pad with like hundred pages. <laughs> so I like, I like, give me some more of those post-its. <laughs> so I'm putting down. I wanted my drinking to go away. I wanted my anger to go away. I wanted direction on how to be a good father. 
I didn't want to be a slave to watching porn on the freaking internet. I wanted to be there for my family. I didn't want to be absent. I wanted peace in my brain from the stuff that we went through overseas. I wanted clarity on my future. I just want to be a better man. I'd be happy with that. And, uh, you know, you get around this, you get a bunch of these dudes around the fire, and you got your little piece of paper, and everyone goes around, which I didn't know, and you you say what you want to get rid of. You don't have to. But, uh, you know, about halfway through, I, I got up, and, you know, I said my thing, and I, I got choked up. I got really choked up, and I threw it in the fire. And it felt good. It felt good. And, um... I'm like, you know, it's still in my head. I'm just like, this is stupid. It's a piece of paper, blah, blah, blah. Nothing's going to change. Questioning everything, testing everything, not believing anything. Uh, but there was still just something tugging on my heart. There was just something very small just tugging on me. Enough to keep me engaged. And uh, I was walking away from the fire when I, like everyone went. And I was like, all right, I'm going to get out of here. Like, I just like want to be alone and just go do something. Go to bed, whatever. I had no Mucinex, had no alcohol. Like, how do I do this? <laughs> um, and this guy comes up to me, young guy. I was, pro I think I was 32 when this all happened. He was 26. Uh, Kyle Thompson, he actually has a podcast, Undaunted. Um, and he, he came up to me. He's like, hey, dude, that was really cool what you said. And I was like, thanks, dude. And he's like, do you mind if I pray for you? This dude came up to me. I was probably 230. Tattoos. I was a big boy. Um, he was not. He was younger. And he had to come up and do that. And that right there is obedience. I've seen many a man that you can you can just see them like they're intimidated just to have a conversation with one from one human to another. I'm not just saying me, but with many people, just because of uh, oh he was in this movie or he's a UFC fighter, whatever it is, you're still human. I don't care, it doesn't matter. But he did not. He came up and he did that. And as soon as he put his hand on me and started praying, I lost it. I. It was starting to make sense. It was all making sense to me. And uh taken out and taken out. And then guys were like, May I pray for you? And I like I didn't tell anybody this, but in my head I was like, I really want someone to put their hands on me and pray for me. Like I want someone to pray for me. I don't <sighs> This weekend changed my life. <clears throat> um as the worship team comes up uh to sing the last song, I just want you to to process just a, a second of what prayer does. That guy, that guy is an intimidating guy. That guy has seen some stuff, done some stuff, and you see it there. And all he wanted was someone to pray for him. And this little 26-year-old on the outside, he brought the Heavenly Father with him. God did everything. God did all the work. 
And now, if you continue on, that's a five-hour podcast. I'm not giving you the whole thing. <laughs> but how God has changed a life. God cares for the lost. God cares for the brokenhearted. And that he listened to that little tug in him. He was listening to the Holy Spirit trying to call on him. And someone was obedient to pray. Don't tell me prayer doesn't work. Prayer has worked in all of our lives. And you have some lost people in your life right now that you think, oh, there's no way I could get to them. There's no prayer can. Let God do the work. There's freedom in that. Go to the Father. Go into your closet and pray. Beg, cry, ask, yield to the Father. What a beautiful story. And that's one. Let, let's not just say, like, oh, we'll read the Bible and pray. No, let us pray. Let us read the scripture and let us go to the Father. What a glorious thing. And as we sing this song, may your hearts be a prayer to God. May our hearts be aligned with God. If it's the whole time, if it's pee and praise Him. If you need to repent for something, repent. If you need to ask, ask. And if you need to yield, yield. And if you need to say the Lord's Prayer the entire time, do it in your head. Not as a mantra, but as something that you believe and that you want to live out. Let us pray to the Father.